the truth, the serious, the weight, the thing that needs to be said as long as it's like five to 15% funny. Hi, and welcome back to Music at Three Pines, the podcast. My name is Brad Rayleigh, and this week I sat down with Caitlin Cannon and Alice Wallace. Caitlin has recently joined Black Oaks, and I will be working with her booking shows when we b- get back to live music. And she and Alice are both close friends and have written several songs together. During the pandemic, Alice flew from Nashville to Caitlin's home in Durango, Colorado, where they have been writing songs, dressing as mermaids, that comes up in the podcast, and hanging out in the south uh, Southwest. I had scheduled this interview with Caitlin only to, inter- to discover that Alice would be there, giving me the great opportunity to interview both at the same time. As you will discover, it was quite the ride. They are both witty and thoughtful people, and the podcast at times took odd turns. But make no mistakes, these are two great songwriters. Alice's most recent album, Into the Blue, came out in 2019, and Caitlin just released her Trash Cannon album to great reviews during the pandemic. We had a lot of fun recording this interview. The internet connection was a little spotty, and you will hear birds in the background as Alice and Caitlin enjoyed summertime in the San Juans. I hope you enjoy this conversation. I know I did. Caitlin Cannon and Alice Wallace. All right, so this this is going to be an experiment. I've, I've, I've interviewed duos before but uh so having two different songwriters on here i hope you guys will keep uh you know behave that's that's the only concern they have to pull this car over yeah we've staged a fight it's gonna be great and we're mermaids now so mermaids are kind of spunky so (laughs) um (laughs) at any given moment we might have to like go go hydrate (laughs) go hydrate yeah okay Because we're mermaids. Because we're mermaids. Right, because you're mermaids, yeah. I'm, I'm slow. I'm a little foggy today, but... It takes a lot of water to maintain a mermaid, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. As, as as I've heard. And by the way, I can already tell that I have no idea where this podcast is going to go, so... <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about music. Can you just tell us how you guys met? Sure. Um, I was at a writer's round at Belcourt Taps. It was not last Americana Fest, but the one before. Yeah, in Nashville. And um, Alice was sitting at the bar, and I I was standing right behind her, and I ordered a club soda with a splash of Red Bull. <laughs> no, a splash of sugar-free Red Bull. <laughs> and Alice was like, easy, killer. <laughs> yeah, we just started chatting, and... Found out we had some mutual friends because I know some people here in Durango and she said she was from Durango and just chatted for a while. And then she's like, you want to come write a song tomorrow? I'm like, okay. Yeah. I, I was at that point where Megan was, I w- Megan Burt, who produced my record, had me on this like, if you're going to build a catalog of a hundred songs this year, you're going to write with anybody who will write with you. You know, Alice, I think may have asked like, well, what are you doing in Nashville? And I was like, well, I really came here to write. You know, and I've done a lot of co-writing, but it wasn't like part of your yeah, not a whole lot of co-writing really. Yeah, in the grand spectrum of things. Um, so yeah, like yeah. I, I had not done a whole lot of co-writing. So I, yeah, I, I'm and I'm still in the point where like I I feel like I'm still learning how to co-write. But there was something about Caitlin and I got together the next day and like wrote this song that we both just loved. Yeah, which is sometimes hard to do on first co-write with somebody you just met the night before. <laughs> really right. good first time co-write. And the other thing I love about writing with Alice is I feel like in most 
co-writing situations, you know, you're trying to get a verse chorus by noon. Maybe you're just writing to exercise the muscle. I, I say at the, I think I said at the beginning of our co-write, like we both just have to love it. Like as soon as somebody start passing, you know, on this, or, you know, as soon as you give up on it, let me know, like, we'll Hmm. go back and make it something we both love. And we, every, every song we've written now, we've held to that standard and Alice will like toil over a lyric with me for days, <laughs> months, <sometimes>. months now. <laughs> and I so appreciate that because there's a lot of times in co-writing situations where I just feel like I'm annoying or I'm too, you know, I should like move on already or it's good enough. That's one area where like, we really, we really line up. You know, I know like if I care about an idea, I should save it for Alice. Mm. Great friendship that way. How, how many songs have you co-written together? We should add them up. We have six like finished songs that are like performance ready. And then we have a bunch of like other half-baked ideas that maybe got abandoned. But now I'm here in Durango for a week. And we're just going to like sit down and like start hashing out lots of songs. Cause yeah. we, we finally got the time and we're just like in the same place, which is such a nice thing during this strange quarantine time. We're going to splash hey. water on our legs, let our scales <laughs> out. Go sit in the creek with our ukulele. Well, maybe we'll write on ukuleles instead of guitars just because it'll be a better photo op. <laughs> Have you guys thought about doing an album together? Not in any serious way yet. I mean, you never know what the future holds. Yeah, actually, we've the most we've talked about was um, like who's going to do what song. Mm-hmm. I know because we both love all the songs like a lot. So it is going to be a little hard to like divide them up onto each other's albums. Like once it comes down to yeah. it, we could always have like different arrangements, but then it would be like the same album, but people have been asking that more. Yeah. But I was just thinking that it seems to me, it's a little bit rare to have somebody who has co-written so much together. So that's, that's what made me think of it. And you guys sound good together. That might be a, that might be a neat project. Just, just one man's yeah. opinion. That's the other thing is, you know, Alice, was it Saving Country Music that said you were the, one of the most unheralded singers in like country Americana yeah. or something? Yeah. Alice, <laughs> but Alice has one of the great voices <laughs> on our planet right now. <laughs> Not that I don't. <laughs> of course you do. But, you know, Alice is a like it's like stupid human tricks talented beyond you know it's like an incredible skill if you ever get a chance to hear her sing her yodeling song that she wrote i i yodel most every live stream so yeah if you tuned into the birthday show you probably heard me yodel and then the first time we sang together it was like whoa because we just we were like i had a show in la at this place called bar lubich and alice was in town and and i was like come sing our song and she came and I was like, you sing it. I'll learn the, har-, because she's the most, unher- one of the most unheralded singers. I was like, you sing it. And I'll, I'll learn the harmony part because that's secretly all I've ever wanted to do is be like, if I could go back in time, I would be born one of David Burns backup singers and stop making sense. Which by the way, if you've ever seen that live concert, it's like the greatest thing I've ever seen. And if I need to clean the house, I always put on that album. And I just want to like be that powerful a woman and not have to wear a bra and get on stage in sweatpants and swing my hair around and, you know, 
Well, you guys have actually already talked about something I was going to ask you about, which was co-writing together. So that's, that's, that's a, that's an, uh, I'll cross that off my list, but can you actually, since we are talking about that, how, uh, how do you, can you give me a little bit more detail on how you approach writing together? I mean, are you both with guitars or are you, how does that work? Well, I mean, I will say that most of our co-writing has been over like FaceTime because we're rarely in the same place. Cause I was living in California and she was right. going back and forth between Nashville and Durango you know, and then I got to Nashville and then the world shut down. She couldn't come back to Nashville. <laughs> so really we mostly are like on FaceTime, like with a shared word document. And, you know, usually one of us comes in with like a nugget of an idea of a song. And then we just sit there and hash it out. Yeah. I think we, we both like, like to get a really strong lyric idea first. Mm. And then I'm usually like, Alice, <laughs> come up with an amazing melody for this, you know? And then usually what happens is like, we both go back and forth because like, if the melody is really great, the lyric might need to shift a little or vice versa. Well, like Alice will usually send me a melody and then I'll sort of riff on that and send you back a melody until we get it. Like we finally got old woman into, if the melody just isn't working, we won't call it done. We'll like, we'll just like leave it alone for a little while and then come back to it. And like, now that she's here physically in the space, we both got out the guitars and sat in the dark because <laughs> the sun was going down, but and we were so enthralled. We yeah. never turned on any lights. We were like, we're like, we can't see anymore. Like we're Finally. just playing and singing. <laughs> we're like sitting in the pitch black and like, we came up with like some pretty interesting phrasing for that song. Yeah. And we were like, this is going to be not as straightforward. And it's a little going to be a little more difficult to memorize, but I'm like, Oh, it's so interesting though. And I think that that's cool to like, bring that into like standard country feel because mm. standard country stuff can often be really predictable. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So can I ask for each of you, how does co-writing differ from when you're writing by yourself? I mean, except for the fact of the other person, obviously. I can say for me, my, like all my songs on the trash cannon album are really specific. So I know like, I know if I'm going to do make a crude joke, that's probably going to need to be, especially if I'm building a song around a crude joke, it's not going to work for everybody. Like every song that we write, I want Alice to be able to sing. And I think of Alice as being like pretty classy and refined. <laughs> Whereas like I'm a little more messy and rough around the edges. So, but the other part of that is that like, I've spent a lot of time this year trying to write, you know, I think what we're, we're doing is like Mary Gaucher is one of my songwriting idols and she has the knack for like saying, you know, she can communicate like a lifetime's worth of pain to you in four words. And that is like something I really strive to. I don't know if anyone's born with that. I think that's a skill that like mm. you have to earn and you earn that through the toil of like of what Alice and I do, which is like boil concepts down into these tiny nuggets. And sometimes like we will, we'll hammer at something until we get it down into something. And like, maybe it does sound trite in the end, you know, maybe we didn't quite get it there, but like we, it's the doing, it's the trying to get it there. Cause sometimes I'll go back and listen to our songs and I'll be like, Oh my God, that bridge is amazing. Like, Oh, that just ripped my heart. out. I had no idea it was going to do that. You know, and then sometimes I'll go back and be like, 
oh, that was, it's a little too simple. Like we simplified it too much or mm. it's missing some truth still, you know, or we didn't quite get there to the exposing the pain of it. I think that's something that I still strive to do in all of my co-writing, but I will say off, I'm not writing with somebody who they share that goal with me. Else, get in there with me. Mm-hmm. Really appreciate that. There's still a difference. I don't know. I think writing with Alice helps make my my music like more accessible to people, which might go better for me in life. I don't really know what writing with me does for your career. No, and I mean that's the thing is that like I had only co-written a little bit before Caitlin and I started writing together, and you know I'd really kind of been hesitant to like I always just kind of like. I didn't really want to give my ideas over and I'd be like, I know I want to do it myself. And then I did find myself in this place where I was really getting stuck writing by myself, you know, that like just getting caught up in if the song was good enough and not feeling like I, I could express it well. And like, I feel like sometimes I'll even just, you know, write a bunch of stuff. I'll send it to Caitlin and, and she'll just kind of help me critique it too. Hmm. You know, what we'll is bounce ideas off, even if it's kind of a solo, right. And then, but then with, with the co-writing, I feel like she helps me get over my own insecurities as a songwriter. And she's mm. just like, no, you're a songwriter. Let's just write this song. And, and it, it, there's great. Yeah. Great songwriter. So it, it's really helped me get over sort of a hump in, in my own mm. self-deprecating ways, I guess. Mm. I don't know what it is, but, but yeah, it's been really great. But then other co-writing experiences, I, I'm not great at it. You know, like I, I feel like I'm the kind of person that has to find someone I have real like chemistry with to co-write. Right. Whereas I know there's other people who can just get in a room with anybody and just write a song and they like it and it's great. And I just, I, I'm not sure I'm that kind of co-writer. Mm. That's interesting. <laughs> it's I, a really weird practice. Inner critic, you know, Alice, you were just describing, that's what I was thinking, inner critic. And, you know, that need to just keep editing and keep editing and keep editing. Um, I agree, Caitlin, that I mean, I think in whatever art it is, I mean, people get better at that first draft. I mean, I'm sure Mary Gaucher's first drafts are better now than they were when she first started. You know, I don't I don't think there's a songwriter out there that just comes up with the first draft and they're done. And if they are, they're probably not really they're probably like me as a songwriter, not very good at it. But I can also see how people are drawn. They get in their own kind of hook, you know, their 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 common kind of go to line. And I can see how co-writing could really help you you know, have somebody all of a sudden jog you out of that, you know, whatever that, and you may not even know it's there. Maybe it's a tell that you don't even know is there. Does that, does that make sense? Oh, definitely. Now it is great to have some different perspectives because yeah, like you do fall into your own songwriting ruts and yeah. And you need somebody to kind of yank you out of there and like approach a song from a whole other different angle. It's like finding a good hairdresser. I hey I I would never make fun of that. I honestly I had the same hairdresser in Oklahoma for like 20 years and then she retired. She called me on the phone and retired and I was like, "What the hell? You're going to still cut my hair, right?" Because I had lost the <laughs> ability to explain to somebody how to cut my hair. I had no idea. I just, you know, she just right. did it. So Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm curious about with both of you because I don't know the answer for either one of you is your musical background. I mean, when did you start, when did you start playing? When did you start singing? When did you start writing? Um, did you play other instruments? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I grew up in a very musical family. Both my parents sang and played guitars. There was a lot of just sitting in the living room strumming guitars when I was growing up. So eventually I wanted to pick up the guitar and start strumming some chords too. And, you know, 
I was learning like the Emmylou Harris harmony parts in the Grand Parsons songs yeah. when I was like, you know, 12. Because those were like, that, that was like kind of the soundtrack of my childhood. And then I was in band. I played like flute and saxophone. Like I always had an interest in music. Although it was funny, I never wanted to join chorus because I didn't think my voice was good enough. Like I was mm. too like self-conscious to join and like sing in a group and feel like exposed. So I would just sing wow. on my own, you know? I would just be at home like singing along to the fan of the opera or something like trying to be like an opera singer on certain days and then trying to be Emmylou Harris on other days. And um, so just all over the place. But then like I started writing songs in high school. And once I learned a few chords on the guitar and played in bars in college, but got my degree in journalism because I was like, well, music isn't a real job. I need a real job. <laughs> and then finally about, yeah, like I guess eight years ago, I decided it was going to be a real job somehow, some way. And I, and I, quit my job and just started doing music. Did you did you have any formal training in any of that? No, all of that was very self-taught. Mm -hmm. Like I learned some from my dad. He would like show me some finger picking and some some chord changes and things like that. Although I was for some reason kind of adamant about teaching myself and like I would just get like songbooks and just look at the chord chart and be like, how do you do that? Okay. Mm -hmm. Um so most of it was just self-taught other than like yeah, being in band and learning some basic music theory that, you know, I don't play those instruments anymore, but it did give me at least some solid um, groundwork in how music is structured. Caitlin? Yeah, you know, I have a lot of formal training, but it was in theater because I was going to go be a Broadway star. It's funny because... I always, like, my grandmother got me a guitar when I was 13, but it had always been, like, a boy sport. Like, none of the men in my life, like, my dad was a really good mandolin player, but, like, no one ever taught me that. And I always felt like, no, I have to put curlers in my hair and go on auditions. Like, I'm just going to mm -hmm. sing. Like, I can't, you know, I can't play. I wasn't, like, self. I did not feel like I kind of had the permission to do that. So. Mm -hmm. I, I actually ended up like trying to, I was like, maybe I'm a songwriter. I was like, I remember this. I was like in second grade and I started trying to write a song in my head and I was like, that sucks. I'm never doing that. Like I'm really bad at that. And I also like, if I go back through my journals in high school, like I was really good at like writing papers. People would be like, oh, she has a very good writing ability. But like, it was just BS, you know, so I could get, go back to doing what I wanted. I got good enough grades, not as good as Alice. I wasn't valedictorian. <laughs> I did good enough that like I had everybody like looking the other way. So I could kind of go start experimenting with drugs and alcohol. So, <laughs> so what happened was my work got a little mediocre after that. And I was in New York and I had into college. I discovered that when I sang as a kid, cause I worked in theater as a kid, I, I damaged my voice. <laughs> and so when I was in college, I was, I really started trying to heal that, but you know, it's kind of hard to heal that when you take a bong rip every morning. So, <laughs> so, you know, but I was a real work hard, play hard, kind of tortured person. And I went to New York and I got sober. I, I, I never could fix my voice. And they were like, well, we don't know what you're going to do because you're supposed to be on this track, but you're way over here on this track. So I was like, fine, I'll go, I'll go to New York and I'll learn how to do acting for film, like really small acting. And I learned how to like, you know, tr I tried to like communicate things with my eyebrows, but my you know, for film, but my face is like kind of chubby and my eyes are really small. So like that wasn't really working either. <laughs> and so I was so heartbroken and confused about what I was supposed to be doing in life. And that's when I really started writing songs in my mid twenties, dissecting scripts and doing character analysis my whole life, like since I was a little kid. 
So I really didn't know what I had to say. I also thought what I had to say would be really bad poetry, like those angsty 16-year-old journals, you know, where, what does she do? Winona Ryder, she's in Beetlejuice. I am utterly alone. <laughs> like that was me. <laughs> the weird thing is that like when you're tortured like that, it comes with this ambition. So once I started doing music, mm. it just became like, well, this is going to be my focus now. And that's when I went to the song school and I was like, I'm going to learn everything that I can about this. Cause I met Mary Gaucher that year. And I just kind of followed her around for like five years, started putting bands together. People started to put me on their stages and I was living in Brooklyn and I had like a collective of like eight people who would jump up on stage and play with me. And this band I started called Caitlin Cam and the artillery. And it was so fun. And then I ended up moving to Colorado and starting like, a, a rustic girl band here called the Cannon Dolls, which I never intended to really go anywhere because I thought I was going to be normal, you know, and get married. And mm, all those normal things. Yeah. I was never like, pan out. I almost married a Republican twice. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, is there's a lot of sabotage in that because that was never going to work. And I was always going to be needing to do this. So now I'm feeling pretty good that, I feel like I'm pretty much, I'm starting to actualize in this. There's, I don't know how you go get training in this, you know, like you can go to Berkeley and get really good at it, but there's so much, I mean, the music stuff I really think comes from pain and life. So like, if you mm -hmm. want to get training for this, you should like go out, take some risks, you know, get your heart broken, gain 40 pounds, try to lose it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, the best training is just going and playing on stages wherever you can for whatever audiences you can. I mean, there's yeah. certain, yeah, there are technical aspects of the performance that you can certainly get training in. Yeah. yeah like, we were six minutes late for your podcast because, like, I'm trying to answer all these emails, which is the other thing you have to do now as an artist. You know, nobody gives you a tour bus and, like, a box of Crown Royale. You know, <laughs> they don't want you to get drunk in trash hotel rooms. In fact, they can't because you're your own manager or label who would be doing that for you. Well, yeah. You're just, well, you still have to get up and book yourself. In the morning. Yeah. You still got to. Yeah. It's definitely a self-starting era for a lot of musicians yeah. these days. Except for yeah. Brad, you might, you might book a tour for me and Alice. I know <laughs> that sounds like fun. If I send out a video of you two and, um, and this podcast, perhaps they'd be like, yeah, hell yeah. We want those two in our, in our venue. Uh, I, I love, by the way, um, Caitlin, I think you said uh, something about, you said this in a negative, but you've obviously, both of you have, have kind of claimed this, this permission to do this. I'm struck by how many kind of barriers people have getting to creating art, that in some cases, it's people around them not being supportive. In other cases, it's... I. And it's funny, when I first started writing, I think I... I didn't appreciate really the art of song songwriting as, as much as I do now. Like I just kind of jumped in. I was just like, I'm just going to write some songs. And like, I didn't really, like I thought they were good. I was just like, yeah, these are songs. They're good. People like them, you know? And it, but then like the more I learned about songwriting, like kind of the more insecure I, I got in the process, you know, cause then you really want to like, you know, you want to, you want to produce the best songs you can. But like, I feel like it, when I jumped into it, not really understanding what I was jumping into. It was just blind, like, oh, I could do this. Anybody could do this. <laughs> I have two things that come up around this. One is I have this judgment about it. Songwriting is like getting your 
your master's in Latin or something, like a totally useless, <laughs> you know, like for somebody who like really wanted to, I mean, I'm someone who like really thought I needed to be a certain version of success in order to like matter to the world. And I don't know why you would choose songwriting if you want to be that. So there's this other piece of it for me, I was really compelled. And so I think that if you're someone who feels like you have a, a need to work something out and you feel compelled to do that through songwriting, A, I think it's like better than any therapy you can really buy. B, I think you have to like let yourself really suck at that. Like it's, you're not going to be good. It's going to be bad. And like how, how good you might be able to become might be relative to how bad you allow yourself to be at it mm-hmm. in the beginning. I mean, when I started, I almost had to be a little cocky about it to like get myself to do it. Like my, it was maybe a little cocky about my first songs or something. And now I won't, won't let anyone ever hear them, you know, <laughs> but like, you kind of got to like find little ways to trick yourself into, into that permission, you know? And now it's like, I'm probably, you know, I'm way less precious about things. Like mm-hmm. I can let go where it's like co-writing's really good at compromise. Like you do have to, you have to let go of your perspective a lot. And that's like, It makes me think of this thing I heard once, which is that the human body has the ability to sustain life for 500 years. But the reason why humans die when they're like 90 is because we aren't adaptable. Hmm. Like we won't adapt, you know, and therefore we don't continue to write. And so songwriting is like a good practice for that, you know, because adaptability Hmm. is really like about letting go. So I didn't mean to like go off on a tangent about some monks in a cave in the Himalayas, but... (laughs) (laughs) like i'm just trying to live forever but i'm a mermaid right (laughs) now that i got alice's uh album uh into the blue i had to look at the title because i couldn't remember it's bumped caitlin off the list and then then if you and then i got i got fiona apple and and now caitlin's just falling down the the list so Um, no but uh i i really think you're both amazing songwriters uh with really good voices i mean that that i think with both of you that i I can sing i can carry a tune i can you know and i i when i was growing up people were telling me you're such a good singer and um i know that's not true i mean i know i can sing don't get me wrong and i can even harmonize sometimes but i know that my voice is not distinctive and you guys both have distinctive voices that make people stop and listen and uh, and then you add into that great songwriting so Alice, you kind of said this, you said that actually you've become more insecure as you've written more and as you've, as you've sort of paid attention to it, because I think you, you value those songs so much, right? In a way that maybe when you were first starting, it was just, you did it. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, like the more songwriters who I've met, I just absolutely look up to them as songwriters. I mean, even Caitlin, I think she's just such a fab- fabulous songwriter. So tonight, like now I'm just holding myself to this higher standard. Right. That then makes, you know, the writing process a little more difficult. <laughs> right. So, but, but I'm also very glad I got to that place because I do think what the world needs is more great songs. And it's like, I want to be one of those people putting out great songs, not just like songs that popped out because they sounded good that day. Like I want to create great material. So I love that. Can we put yeah. that on a t-shirt? 
Yes, exactly. <laughs> now is more great song. <laughs> you know, it always pissed me off that Bob Dylan was like, we've said it. You don't need to write any more songs. Just cover ours. <laughs> Did he say that? I haven't heard that. Yeah. He's like, it's all been done. Yeah. And you know, it has, but it's like more great songs. More great songs. Yeah, exactly. You know, we need more mediocre yeah. songs. We need more great songs. I have these running arguments with people that are my generation or older who will get in this kind of, oh, the good old days, you know, and they're talk about that the only good music they really liked was, you know, from the 70s. I'm like, there's some great music from the 70s. There's some great stuff out there, but I am so struck by great songwriters today putting out amazing music. I have heard this. Steve Earle would say about Towns, Towns Van Zandt that he said Towns Van Zandt was the best poet America's ever produced, and I'll stand on Bob Dylan's coffee table and tell him that to his face. And Bob Dylan, yeah. by the way, uh, evidently said, I don't even have a coffee table, is, is his <laughs> response to that. But, but I, I feel like that standing on a coffee table and telling people, look, I'm, I'm listening to some of the best songwriters I've ever listened to. Um, and that includes you guys. That includes so many people that I've, I've just, I feel such a, a joy in listening to that. And, and part of it is, I think, for the listener, there are some people, and this is, this is where you guys, I'm sure, have this challenge when you're putting out original music, is that there are some people, I have good friends, that they only go hear music they already know. They want to hear covers. They want to hear familiarity. They don't really want to be challenged either musically or lyrically by something that makes them think or feel in a different way. And, and that's, a, that's something I know you guys know better than I do just in terms of curating that, that you sort of have to sometimes, it seems to me, with some fans, you've got to kind of show them how cool it can be to hear a song for the first time. You know, in our house series, we've had people occasionally stand up and say, all right, I'm going to play a brand new song for you. And it's like everybody, you know, our, our crowd loves that. They want to hear that new song that they've never heard before. And that's, that's really cool. Yeah, those are people. Yeah. Find those people. One other question about songwriting, but when you're starting out to write a song and you have that idea, that lyrical idea, how much for each of you is it, is it, is it drawing on that kind of what Caitlin was talking about, about therapy of drawing on something that needs to be addressed? Is that where the kind of the, the, the inspiration comes from most of the time for you? It's, it's something that just needs to be said or uh, have you worked from prompts? Have you, have you, have you done other kinds of inspirational to kind of get that going? I'm, curious i would say for me it's definitely like the the truth the serious the weight the thing that needs to be said as long as it's like five to fifteen percent funny and i don't necessarily live there but um <laughs> but you yeah she makes good jokes though <laughs> like in heels and brad here's another thing i'll say about so one of uh, one of my uh fans mentioned to me they were like caitlin the thing i love about the trash cannon album is it's like an americana you don't have a lot of songs about this life experience from the female perspective, right? So it kind of like does take, it does take things that have been said before, maybe not exactly the way I say them, but and puts them in a new way because it's from the perspective of like a daughter, a mother, a sister, a sober woman, a spiritual woman, you know, like all the right. different angles of like female and, um, in like Americana or country music, which, you know, we know how hard it is women to get ahead there. So right. or get heard. Alice and I wrote a song called heels and we were writing about Alice was dating somebody who was shorter than her. <laughs> yeah. and he was being a dick. Can I say dick? Yep. He's like, yeah, sure. Um, he was being, he was being a dick. I'm <laughs> just going to say it. <laughs> and so, 
wrote a song called Heels about like, I'm not going to take my heels off for you, right? So that metaphor is like in there. But like when you're when you are writing from that perspective, you've kind of earned the right to sort of put your gender frustrations in a song. And he doesn't take direction. What he takes is twice as long is like one of my favorite jokes <laughs> ever. There's another uh, really good one too. Yeah, we have a lot oh of yeah. If you want to keep a man... Smile and nod. Wait, that was the first part sentence. Man, you got to listen to him talk. While he's pontificating, make sure to smile and nod and let him educate you on all the finer points of drywall installation and things you both enjoy. (laughs) We had a a really good time with that song. That was really funny. Which has been cool because I haven't haven't really written funny songs very often, you know? And she's helped bring that out in me in our co-writing. It's hilarious. All yeah. the time in the world. I, really do you know which song you're sending me? Well, you suggested All the Time in the World. Do you want yeah. to do that one? Well, this was Alice's idea that she brought. Yeah, I, I started a song, and, and it's it's very quarantine-based. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because especially me, like, you know, Caitlin also has a job, um, but I don't, you know, so I'm like, I have all this time on my hands, and it's been this roller coaster of going, some days I want to be super productive, I want to write songs, I'm going on hikes and runs and, like, all these things, and then there's other days where I'm just, like, sitting there, like, I don't want to do anything. Yep. And it and it seems that that's a pretty universal sentiment right about now. So I started a song called All the Time in the World. I'd have an all the time in the world, but not a thing you want to do. And I got like through like most of like a verse and a chorus. And I just wasn't sure I had it. And I was like, this is, I was like, this is definitely a song that Caitlin needs to have some input on. And it came out so good. Yeah. I've got all the time I never wished I had. Yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. What's this song called, Alice? Well, I've got all the time in the world. Yeah, I know, but what's the song called, Alice? <laughs> Stayed up late again last night Cause I knew I could sleep in I got up and made my bed Just to crawl back in again My schedule is wide open I've got all the time in the world and no one to spend it 
tropical sunrise mermaid tail. Well, then I had to order a giant inflatable pink flamingo. And I also ordered about 17 different pairs of yoga pants, since that's about all I wear these days. Well, I ordered about 17 cases of dehydrated astronaut food, in case it doesn't go our way in November. And I hope it comes today. I've got all the time in the world and more bills than I can pay. Real quick, one of the things I've, if, if you've listened to any of the podcasts, I usually start by talking about how people are doing in the pandemic, and, and you've sort of talked about that a little bit. Have, have you guys, uh, uh, Caitlin, has it, has it been helpful to sort of have that uh, day job that kind of keeps you uh, occupied? You should try workaholism. It really helps. You can't <laughs> feel anything. <laughs> um, you don't have time to think. You're constantly like someone's always mad at you. So you can't ever be mad at yourself because you haven't gotten something that mm. you were supposed to do. It reminds me of that time um, in 2008 when the housing market crashed and I was bartending in New York and suddenly all of the investment bankers were like coming after my job. Um, <laughs> or they were like waking up with my net worth and jumping out of a window and deciding that life just wasn't right. worth living. Um, so during Corona, you know, it was the same. I was going to take all of May. I had 20 dates to tour the trash cannon album. So I was very upset that like, I couldn't do that. I mean, it, it was, it was really, <laughs> I was like pointing my finger at the sky being like you you god trickster whatever i know because she did she just put out this great album and she you know like a lot of our friends like everybody's just totally stuck and like you know to put out an album during this and not be able to tour and not to be able to do the proper promotion for this thing we've worked on so hard for you know years a lot of times um so then and they shut down the salon too you know for a while so but like I don't know. Everybody in the world world was like 
I can't get my hair cut, you know? So now everybody just wants to be a hairstylist and somewhere like Durango, Colorado, where, you know, then the cases are very low and there's a lot of like room around here. You know, the population is not dense. Like if, during a pandemic, it's a great place to be and it's a great job to have because people, you know, want to give me money. So I am really busy. I'm just like, I was pretty poised to be exiting out of hmm. hair there. And so now I'm, I'm in here, but that's okay. It'll just make more songs about hairdressers and, and that kind of thing. But I will say that because I'm not uh, going back and forth to Nashville, I've upped my, uh, I started taking a guitar class so I can kind of like up everything that I'm doing right now with my free time is to make it so that like, you know, the songs will be great the performance will be great everything will be great as soon as we're allowed to like hit the ground running and um you know the other part of that is like i think the whole reason that the world stopped alice and i have a song called lucky break was because the world needed it like everything was out of control you know the world had workaholism it had workaholism you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know, and I know that like, there's been a lot of suffering and I don't mean to like make light of that, but like yeah. the world, like, you know, this is a time for all of us to sort of mm -hmm. reevaluate how they do, how we do things. So I'm not necessarily doing that because I've stayed too busy to feel, but I hope that you guys are. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. And I'm over here in the roller coaster of, I have nothing to do. And I'm just going to sit here and watch Netflix all day and stare yeah. at the ceiling and count the tiles. And then tomorrow I'll be productive. Yeah. Well, so the other thing is that, the you know, since I'm still working, I have, uh, um, I have enough money to buy a giant swan. And then Alice bought the giant swan. Flamingo. And, yeah. Well, it's the jury's out. Like, I think the swan is a duck. And the flamingo is a, I think the swan is a white duck and the flamingo is a pink swan. Yeah. But swan, flamingo, duck. But yeah. I know, I know, I know. That's really tricky territory. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but either way, now I'm in Durango hanging out on vacation. <laughs> we did name it Duck White Privilege. And we're going to float down the river on White giant privilege. inflatable birds of some kind. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's <laughs> I, I just didn't expect that. Then let me just, just, just throw that out here. I just. saying, like, so you can find things to do with the time. Mm -hmm. That's true. <laughs> It's very true. It's very true. Yeah. Yes. You know? yes. Do something different today. <laughs> I uh, I am doing something different today. Um, just just so you know. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Caitlin. Caitlin's very different. <laughs> I loved your description, by the way, of of the uh, of your songs, and then uh, how'd you you how'd you describe that? It was. Um, just just enough funny or it has to be just a little bit funny or something what'd you say 15 funny yeah yeah what did yeah. this one time tell me this she really helped me with this because i was in that 16 you know i'm utterly alone phase and she was like caitlin 
even the biggest tragedies are still like 5% funny. And I was like, I don't know. It occurred to me that that's like, even in my, like, I, I'm always trying to sneak a joke in, you know? So like Mama's a Hairdresser is like a, you know, really sad song, but like the song, the title, Mama's a Hairdresser, Baby's a Life Offender is like hilarious title. <laughs> so there's where I found the 5% funny. So, you know, it's, just, yeah. it's like a trademark. I like it. So the way I've been ending this um, has been with a, just a couple of questions, but in, in uh, honor of Caitlin's uh, Marriage Mondays um, and the fact that I'm uh, interviewing two uh, people, I'm going to do this in the newlywed game style, um, oh, which no. seems to me to be, you know. So I'm going to ask you a question. I want you to answer it for the other person, and then we'll find out how close you are to being right. Uh, it's not the newlywed game because you don't have the, you know, ahead of time to prepare. But so the first question is, so be thinking about what uh, the other one's going to say is, who's the songwriter that makes your jaw drop? So like, I would say like, you're going to answer like Mary Gaucher. Oh, Got it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay. She's going to say Linda Ronstadt. Well, no, because Linda didn't write her song. Oh. Okay. So, so, uh, you guessed Linda Ronstadt. Um, Alice. Yeah, performance one for yeah. sure. I mean, I'll say Mary Gaucher, but I'm sure there's somebody else. I, oh, I know. I was so bad. Like, who's your favorite artist? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Or like Jason Isbell. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I would probably say Jason Isbell too. He's but like a lot of favorite. other people. Patty Griffin. Yeah, I thought, I thought maybe you'd go there. Yeah. Okay, so now you know how this works. We have two more questions uh, with prizes and everything. Hey! So here's the question. So again, you're answering for the other person. Is there something I have you both categorized in Americana music? You know, kind of folky country. Is that fair enough? Folk country for both of you? Okay, that it's it's so here's the question. What genre of music do you listen to outside of that Americana bubble that has perhaps influenced some aspect of your own writing or your own uh musical approach? I know that's probably gonna be hard for you. <laughs> Cause I hardly listen to anything other than like Americana. But yeah. she's got a pop uh band that is pretty fantastic where they write for sync licensing and stuff. So um I would say pop for her because she can write some good pop music too. Do I answer? Do I answer for her first? Yeah, well you can you can say if that's correct and, and change and then uh, you so, can tell this this game has real rigid rules. Yeah. Don't break yeah. the rules. Okay, so pop music does have its place in my night my life, but that would have been wrong because <laughs> I actually I don't find that you really need to listen to pop music to be able to write it. Right. <laughs> Although I do draw from like Wilson Phillips and Prince and stuff like that. No, my like my biggest influences besides like alternative, like alternative country stuff is like the indie rock stuff, like Father John Misty. <laughs> like I Love You Honey Bear is one of my favorite albums of all time. And like the crossover artists like Jenny Lewis and people who go into more like yeah. indie. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, so much of that stuff could be folk anyway. Yeah, like, you know, it's, it's so yeah. funny. Like, right? Even you trying could, to like like psychedelic lump folk in genre, like you know, John Missy could be psychedelic. Yeah, but don't quote me on that. <laughs> and then, like, man, like sometimes I'll get in like real like soul moods, like 
Motown and yeah. like soul and R&B and oh, stuff. That's and like, what I said for her. Oh, Motown. yeah. <laughs> I answered for myself. <laughs> I said that. <laughs> Actually, I was going to say classic, like the classic Hollywood stuff, like me, because, you know, the Gershwin or the Cole Porter mm-hmm. stuff. Oh, because, true. Like the cool old standard yeah, kind of stuff. Old standards. I do love Jazz. that stuff too. One more question Guilty pleasure music. The other way of framing this is, is there a music that you listen to, which you may have answered a little bit of, that your fans might be surprised by? Well, I'll just answer for myself. I really really have no idea. (laughs) And I have no idea for you either. It would be like, I do love all the stuff that was in the 90s that was considered, 90s country is now cool. Well, when I was listening to it memorizing every word new every joe diffie song i almost was. said that for you because we were listening yeah. to that reba mcintyre oh, duet. we kind of want to do the, the reba mcintyre um what's her name linda davis duet the yeah does he love you yeah <laughs> we knew all the words we knew all the words <laughs> yeah. yeah and this morning it was the little mermaid so maybe the little mermaid and reba mcintyre <laughs> like disney music and um 90s yeah um i would also say like wilson phillips i mean i know i just said that that stuff is so good and that 80s stuff like like people used to make yeah whitney houston my name is not susan (laughs) except for that one (laughs) okay so alice did you have any uh any guilty pleasure music that uh, or music that might surprise your fans or are you mostly like you said you listen mostly to our genre i guess I do definitely listen to mostly Americana, folk, indie stuff. But honestly, like, like my guilty stuff would probably be in the same era, like yeah. genre, like of, of hers, like of the like kind of like that '90s. Like I was in love with Dwight Yoakam when I was twelve. Mm. So like I can still like listen to that stuff all day. Well, good game. Yeah, it was a good game. It was it was uh, the rules were poorly designed because of and me being a little. Not really yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys for, for sitting down and, uh, and talking with us. Thank you, Brad. Thanks for doing what you're doing. And yeah, there's uh there's going to be more than enough songs for, for a, uh, a Caitlin and Alice, Alice and Caitlin album. Just saying. Say there will be. I know. Yeah. We're going to have to start thinking about do some thinking. We're gonna do. <laughs> well, I will let you guys go. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in. As usual, I have posted both of their web pages and tip jar information in the podcast details. I hope you'll go buy the, both their albums. As it turns out, since this podcast was recorded, they are at least considering a joint album together, for which I take full credit. <laughs> anyway, I hope you'll support them and other musicians during this difficult time. We need our poets and truth tellers now more than ever. See you next time on Music at Three Pines, the podcast. I know everyone's a good dog under these three pines.